Well, hello, everyone. My name is Todd Lynch. I'm the East Location Pastor. And if you don't know this about us, this is, I mean, I find this pretty cool. We are one church that meets in multiple locations. So I want to welcome all of our locations. To all the fellows at RCMU, I'm so glad you're here with us today. It is awesome what is going on there. I was there last week, and fellows, you guys are tearing it up. To all those at East, at West, thank you guys for joining us today. Yep. It's amazing what God is doing at this church and the fact that we have three locations and we got the same heartbeat that's going out to meet the needs of the community here in the Black Hills is just awesome. But, side note, sorry about that. I just I get excited about what this church is doing. Um, but anyways, we are going through a series called Conquering Your Obstacles. It has been awesome. If you missed any of it, I would encourage you, go check it out. But there's been a verse, kind of a theme throughout all this. So I want to show it to you. It's in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So I hope you're recognizing the thief, that's Satan. He's the one putting these obstacles in our way. And then you've got Jesus saying these words, I, may, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, where Jesus is the one showing us, even in the midst of these obstacles, how we can overcome and have this full life. And so the obstacle today is endurance. Yeah. We're going to have some fun with this one. Because here's the funny thing about this one. Because all of you in here, you would go, is that really an obstacle? I like endurance. I like to persevere. So how does this work? Good question. I'm so glad you asked. And we're going to walk through it today. But it is an obstacle. It's a very big obstacle. And it's true. All of us in here, we want to have endurance. We want to have the ability to kind of finish what we start and get to that finish line or get to that certain destination. We want that. But here's the interesting part to me about endurance. And so there's kind of this I kind of verse thing going on where there's two things fighting against each other. There's this destination piece that we all understand with endurance where we want to get somewhere. But then there's the journey part. And the journey part is the part we hate. Because the journey is the part that kind of is the suffering part, the difficult part. It's the practicing part. And we go, I don't like that part. But I love getting there. I love getting to the destination piece. And so I recognized this recently <laughs> when I, uh, a couple weekends ago, I went and spoke at our high school winter retreat. It was awesome. The students, everything about it was amazing. We were down in Colorado. Um, and so we're sitting there. The mountains are right behind us. Beautiful picture. All that. We get done, though. Get done, and it's time to go back. And know this. When I travel, I am very destination-oriented. There are those of you who are like, oh, scenery, it's so beautiful. I'm like, forget it. We are getting from point A to point B, and we're going to do it as efficiently as possible. And I'm kind of the one, when I'm driving, I'm like, if you need to go to the bathroom, figure out a way to do it, because we're keeping going. Like, I don't care. We are getting to our destination. That is how this is happening. And so <laughs> there becomes this dilemma where we're picking which route we're going to take to go back, because I was riding back with the student pastor, Jake. And so I found this one path that was shorter, and I was like, okay, that makes sense, totally get this. But then there was this other path that was the interstate, that I was like, <clears throat> see, the interstate to me makes more sense because we can go faster. And so I am totally debating in my mind, okay, how do I get to the destination as quickly as possible? So I was like, okay, the interstate, I eventually made the shorter time route, but I was very nervous about it. 
Because I was like, what kind of highways are we going to end up on if we break down? Are we going to be in the middle of nowhere where no one can find us and that's where we're going to die? Like, that's how extreme I got, all right? But eventually, I was like, all right, we'll take the shorter route. And what was fascinating to me is watching myself, because I had it all planned out during the trip. I was going to watch certain movies, you know, have the time where we, we talk to each other for a little bit, but then go back to movies, um, and then eventually be there. It was like, so the destination's there. I caught myself turning off the movies and looking around. Because I'm telling you, it was one of the most beautiful drives I've ever seen. And we were the only ones on the road. But there's mountains everywhere, and I'm just like snow just piled up, just like this high, and I'm like, this is crazy. And so I caught myself just being in the moment and enjoying the journey. And so I look at that and I go, man, too often am I so focused on the destination that I forget about how important the journey is? Because we all know it. The destination is great, but the journey is equally as important, and especially when it comes to God. Hear me on this. God wants us to get to those destinations, but he also values the journey equally as much because here's why. He knows in the journey is where the relationship is developed. And so God talked a lot about endurance and taking on this journey. So look at this in James. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, Your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, we read this sometimes, and I know, and then you go, okay, when troubles of any time come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And we go, that sounds good, but that just sounds dumb at the same time, right? It's like when troubles come, yes, I'm going to have all this joy coming out of this. But there is something here that is so profound where it goes, there's the opportunity for great joy. And so this is the part where I find it so fascinating because in the midst of, because here's why we have to endure, there's suffering that exists in this world. We all go through pain. We all go through difficult moments. You could probably name them and like sit here and write five, six, hundred things down that you're going through. We all go through it. But if it's going to be an opportunity, that means there's this other choice. So catch this. In the midst of suffering, we either endure or we escape. And that's where I want us to sit for a little bit because here's what I do know. Although we value endurance so much as a culture, I mean, think about it. There's so many stories of like, this couple has been married for 90, 100,000 years. And we love hearing those stories. Uh, The person who fell in the middle of the race and made it to the end, we're like, oh, that's so cool. We love the endurance stories. But the truth is, as humanity, we're actually really bad at it. We usually choose escaping instead of enduring. I mean, I know you're just like, whoa, that changed real fast. But it's true. I mean, I was thinking about this. (laughs) <laughs> we quit on enduring and try to find an escape to the suffering. I was just writing some of these down. We quit on learning something new because the practice is too hard. We quit on just improving ourselves because of all of our baggage. We quit on marriage because all we do is fight. 
We quit on family or friends because the wounds are too big. We quit on parenting because, let's just be honest, parenting is too hard. And I can name you thing after thing after thing. Even in my own life, I could tell you, man, there was a time where I was, I wondered, should I just quit on what God is calling me to do? Because I don't believe I'm good enough to do it. See, we have these conversations all the time about, man, I should just give up. Just quit. And see, that's the problem where I see where we value endurance. But the reality is, and I'll be the first one to tell you, we quit way too much than we endure. <laughs> I've noticed this recently in my life where um, someone gave me some great advice because I've got three kiddos. And I was kind of asking them, like, okay, how? Because they were older. They had some older kids. And I was like, what is some wisdom you can give me about parenting? And they're like, here's the key. Your kids are going to go through all these different phases. And each one of them, as a parent, you're going to be like, oh, this is cool. This is so awesome. But also be prepared for what those phases may also bring that you don't like. It's very good wisdom because now... <laughs> Emma is four years old, Corbin is about one and a half, Avery is two months. Emma has hit this phase where she is able to have a great conversation, um, able to really kind of dialogue back and forth. So that's a fun phase. I love having conversations with my daughter, but that also comes with a lot of back talk. No, your parents are like, hey, man, mm-hmm. So now we have this, hey, Emma, can you go do this? Which used to be, yes, Daddy, I'd love to, is no. And I'm like, what? What do you mean, no? You will please go do this. No. And it is a five-minute conversation with a lot of no's in there. And I'm just like, man, what happened? I love the new phase, but, man, this is difficult. And there's times, I'll be honest, I was like, man, I just want to quit. Like, this is difficult. Give up. And... This even happened today and because my one-and-a-half-month-old boy is driving me bananas because he is in this phase where he knows exactly what he wants, like, to the T, like, I want this, 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 but he can't say what he wants. So you're in this constant battle. So we were having breakfast, and I go, hey, do you want a waffle? Mm-hmm. I bring him the waffle, starts crying. I'm like, what happened? From me, you saying yes to me giving you the waffle, what changed? I look over what I've done for Emma. She has peanut butter on it. It's cut up. And I put syrup on top of it. So I was like, okay, I'll give you some syrup. Now, I remind you, this boy, who knows? Some days he wants it with syrup. Some days he doesn't. Some days he wants it cut up. We don't know. And so I'm like, all right, do you want peanut butter on it? Yes. Put peanut butter on it. He throws it. And I'm like, <clears throat> All right, so I put it back on. I was like, all right, do you want syrup on it? And he goes, put syrup on it. Put that off down, throws it again. I'm like, all right, at this point, we're just going to leave the waffle to the side. And he is crying, crying the whole time. My daughter Emma eventually puts it back on there and just lunch against chucks it. And then I see my daughter eating it. And I'm like, stop, what are you doing? <laughs> so there's this whole thing. And I'm just sitting there as a parent like, I feel like I'm failing. I cannot figure this boy out to save my life. Eventually, it came down to he wanted eggs. Who knew? <laughs> That's what he wanted. And I just sit there and I'm going, we have these moments, right? We all sit there and go, 
I don't know how to do this. I'm, I, nothing is going right. And you're thinking, I wish I could do it. I wish I could do it. But the quitting option sounds so much better. So much better. So in those moments, the question becomes, so what do we do? Hebrews 12, 1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. See, God knew we were going to struggle with this, so first off, he gives us, hey, I, I've got so many stories that I want you to see about endurance. The key part is knowing, seeing like other people do it, and if you read your Bible, you'll find story after story after story who People walk through this. If you go and read Hebrews 11 and then read Hebrews 12, it walks this out. But then he gives us the key part. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Everything that keeps us from wanting to endure, we have to learn to kind of shed that off and keep moving forward. So I want to share a story with you from the Bible about a guy named Joseph. We've been going through Joseph's story uh, throughout this whole series, because his story is full of obstacles. And so if, to get you caught up a little bit, there's been the obstacle of a dysfunctional family where they didn't like him so much that they were like, let's just get rid of him, and sold him into slavery. That's pretty dysfunctional. And then last week, we talked about how he was in the midst of being a slave and had risen to being the top slave uh, with Potiphar. Potiphar's wife all of a sudden wanted to have an affair with Joseph. That's awkward. But then Joseph goes, no, 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 no. Resist, resist, resist. Does the right thing in the midst of temptation. What happens? He ends up in prison. Those moments where you're just going, God, I'm trying to do the right thing. Nothing seems to be going the right way. That's where Joseph's at right now sitting in prison going, what's going on? Why am I here? But in the midst of this, though, he does some pretty profound things that I want to reveal. So first part of this, first thing we need to learn about endurance, endurance needs submission. And so let's walk this out in Joseph's story. So catch this out in Genesis. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now you're thinking, those verses, that's pretty sweet. Like even in the midst of this, God's still working and Joseph is moving to the top once again. But here's the fascinating part to me. The warden. Last week, you know, we talked a lot about Potiphar. Well, I did some research, and if you look up who's the warden in this, it's Potiphar. Let that sink in for a little bit. Many scholars believe that the warden is Potiphar, so that means somehow, some way, Joseph, who is accused of trying to have an affair with this guy's wife, all of a sudden looks at Joseph and trusts him again. That kind of favor doesn't make any sense. And you're kind of going, God, what is happening here? How is this? And that's why I'd say endurance needs submission. 
Because, hear me on this, if Joseph isn't submitted, surrendered in these moments, there's no way Potiphar the warden is going to all of a sudden have this, I trust you now. God was doing something in the midst of that. And here's the other part. Here's the amazing choice Joseph could have made, but he didn't. He could have played the victim card by this point. Could have said, no matter what I do, it all goes wrong. And everyone is to blame. My family sucks. That person sucks. That person, everything. He could have played the victim card and just sat in prison and had self-pity for a very long time. And just said, nothing works out. But you look at those scriptures, he didn't. In order for him to move up, something had to be happening. He had to be making decisions in this moment to where he gained the favor of Potiphar, the warden, the one guy you would think he's not going to give him favor at all. And I think too many of us, hear me on this, and you probably won't like hearing this, too many of us are playing the victim card. We're going, woe is me. I don't deserve these things, and it's everybody else's fault. In counseling, I hear that a lot. And here's what the victim card does. As soon as you play it, you stop enduring because the focus has become completely on you. But Joseph, I mean, he could have played it, but simply said, God, these circumstances I'm going through, I don't get it but I surrendered them to you. And because of that, God's favor moved in his life. Hear me on this. God's favor comes upon those who surrender, not those who choose to be victims. I think God looks at us and knows we're gonna go through some tough times. He knows it, because Satan is present. Satan is trying to kill and destroy our lives. But he says, realize you don't have to be a victim. The victory's already been won. I can change all of this if you're willing to walk this out and endure. Let's go back to Joseph's story. So now, he is leader of the prison, taking care of everything. And so there comes this point where Pharaoh gets mad at two of his top officials. Gets so mad, he goes, I'm going to send you to this prison. Now, I remind you, where Joseph is at, this is the prison for the baddest criminals. So Pharaoh is very upset, and we don't know exactly why. I kind of assume there's probably some conspiracy out to kill Pharaoh. So that's why these two guys got in trouble. And so they're there, and watch what happens with this verse. It's in verse 40, verse 4. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard, Potiphar, assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. It's a simple little phrase in there, but to me, it's so key for us to understand something. Joseph didn't have to make this choice. He didn't have to take care of them, and it went even farther than just him serving. He helped them in so many capacities, because these two guys are very confused. They're going, God... We don't know what's going on. We, we have no idea why Pharaoh threw us down here. They have these dreams. And all of a sudden, they tell Joseph about them, and Joseph's like, I can't solve them, but maybe God can help. And God reveals what these dreams are, and these both, both these guys look at them like, dude, you're amazing. Just serving them, helping them. And that's what it meant. He looked 
after them. And here's the key part of this. Him serving those guys, it gave purpose to him being in prison. And so that's why I would say this. Endurance needs patience. But here's the secret to patience. Serving others. If you want to have patience in your life, to help us endure, to help us persevere, because you know, in order to have endurance, you're going to need patience. There's got to be this piece that you go, I've got to serve others. And that's what Joseph did. He didn't have to. Remember, all this, I hope you're seeing the trend here. It's a choice that Joseph made. He didn't have to, but he chose to in these moments. He said, I want to choose to serve them. So ask yourself, in the midst of what you're going through, because I'm assuming here, this, everybody listening, some of you are going through some pretty heavy suffering. Some of you are going through some things that ah, break my heart. But ask yourself, in the midst of it, are you serving others to where that suffering begins to have purpose? I tell people this all the time because I usually hear a lot of stories of that because I, I counsel a lot. And so I tell people in the midst of their suffering, I was like, you're going to need three things. You're going to need a pastor to help you kind of navigate the God questions. Kind of going, okay, why is this happening? Why is God telling me in the midst of this? And those things are difficult, and that's why I think a pastor is definitely needed to help you in the midst of that. And as God tells you things, you make sure it's connected with Scripture. But then the other thing is you need a counselor. A counselor who's helping you mentally and emotionally get through what you're going through. But then the last part I think is the most critical is you being a part of a group, whether it's a serving group, a life group, or even family, some kind of group where you get the opportunity to serve others. Because here's the danger. What we do in the midst of suffering is sometimes we internalize it and make it all about us. Our life, our focus, everything is about what we're dealing with. We're, with, we're in a group. We get to hear other people's stories, other things that are going on, and get the opportunity to serve them. It can give our suffering purpose and help us kind of take our mind off it for a little bit. And it teaches us how to have patience in the midst of some horrible circumstances. So Joseph did this in a very profound way. But then here's the last part, because this is where the story turns, and it is amazing to me. Because one of those guys that he helped with, it was a butler, because it was the baker and the butler that went to prison. The butler actually finally gets returned into his position. And Joseph, as this guy's going out, is going, hey man, remember me, tell Pharaoh about what's my situation and everything that's going on. The guy's like, oh yeah, I mean, they got pretty close. And he's like, oh yeah, I will. Forgot. For two years, he forgot to mention anything to Pharaoh. I mean, at this point, you're like, man, Joseph, and the hits keep coming. I'm sorry, dude. Like, you're at this point, you're just kind of like, man. But then <laughs> the Pharaoh has a dream, and he can't interpret it. And the butler's standing there going, oh, shoot. Mm. Oh, this is my bad. <laughs> this is totally my bad. The Pharaoh's probably going like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And he's like, um, so you, you had a dream, right, Pharaoh? Crazy deal. Uh, there is this Hebrew slave in prison who helped me a ton uh, understand the dreams that I was having. I would encourage you, go uh, talk with him. <laughs> and then he's probably like, and I suck as a friend. And so, uh -huh. But think about that. 
because of Joseph's willingness to serve in that moment to help someone in the midst of some pretty horrible circumstances for Joseph's life, all of a sudden he is now standing before the Pharaoh. Highest power dude in this whole country. He's the one that can pardon him. He's the one that can change all of this. And so that's why this next part, endurance needs faith. This constant belief that God is still in the midst of this. God is still doing something. And see, what's powerful to me is even in the midst of Joseph's conversation with Pharaoh, he kept his faith just in front of him, and it's just oozing out of him. So watch this conversation. The Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Now, if you're Joseph, at this point you're like, oh man, this is my opportunity out. Yeah, you'd be like, yep, yep, I can. Yep, let's do this. Let's make this happen. Because I, if I can get on your good side, maybe I can get out of prison. doesn't say that. He says, it is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Man, to have faith like that. And he's standing before the most powerful man. And it's a crazy task to take on even to begin with. But he's, he's seen it done where God has helped him interpret dreams. But you're interpreting dreams. And your life is dependent on it. And he says, I can't do it, but God can. Endurance needs faith. So there's, the conversation keeps going where Joseph tells him, okay, here's the dream. There's going to be seven years of abundance. You're going to have all these extra crops come in. And then there's going to be seven years of famine, and it's going to be a severe famine. Like if you, and here's why this dream is important, Pharaoh. If you don't put a wise person in charge of this, you will lose your whole nation. People will die because of how hungry they will be. So you need to save up for those seven years so you can handle the next seven years. And he goes, Pharaoh, I would encourage you, find the wisest person you can to do that. And Pharaoh sits there and goes, oh, dude, you're genius. That's exactly what it is. And so he pulls his smart people around and be like, okay, what do, you, what do you think we should do? Who's the wisest person? And this is the moment where Joseph's life changed forever. Look at this. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you. Just pause there and let that sink in. Since God at this time, Egypt believed in many different gods, but they recognized Joseph's God. It's powerful. Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have a rank higher than yours. I would have loved to have seen Joseph's reaction in that moment. What? I mean, I'm, I'm picturing tears, like everything. He probably fainted. He just moved from prisoner to second in command to the highest powerful king of the whole earth at this time. Egypt was that powerful. And he just became second in command. All because he was willing to have this faith that God was doing something. Now, here's the amazing part. 13 years 
13 years he spent in prison or in slavery. 13 years to get to this point. Many of us in here go, ooh, I don't know if I could do it that long. 13 years. It makes you realize endurance is more of a marathon than it is a sprint. And so Joseph now starts to see everything that God was doing in this moment. It's all coming together. And I kind of put it, there's faith is trusting that enduring today's problems matters for tomorrow. So you kind of look at that. Joseph's story, you get to this point and you're like, oh my. Everything he went through, even starting with the family stuff, getting through the temptation, and now getting through all that endurance has led to this moment where he stands second in command to the Pharaoh. It's powerful. That's why God says, man, if you're willing to trust me in this, if you're willing to take the journey on this, I will get you to a destination you never thought you could get to. But too often we get locked down on this. So some of you may be in here like me. You're going, okay, what do I do now? How can I do that? I want the Joseph story. Now, none of you are going to become vice president tomorrow. I'm sorry, okay? But all of us, here's what I do know. All of us, God's got greatness in store for us. So how do we learn to endure? How do we do this? And I've got three things that I want you to, you can write them down, but I think it's just great advice. The application point. Like, here's how we walk this out. First thing is this. Stop being the victim. Choose to surrender. Simply take that to heart and go, man, God, am I playing the victim? I'm too focused on myself. Have I surrendered the circumstances to you? the situations to you. God, help me to stop playing that and help me learn to surrender. The second part is this. Bring purpose to your suffering by serving others. Simply ask yourself, am I serving others in the midst of what I'm going through? And the last one, don't quit on tomorrow's potential because of today's problems. Don't quit. Keep believing. Keep having that faith that there is something about tomorrow that matters so much. That there's so much potential in that. Be willing to go on this journey. Don't let today's problems take you down. And you may be wondering, okay, Todd, I get it. I want it. But tell me, what's the outcome of this? If I do all this, what happens? Here's what I know. If we choose to endure, the greatness of God will come into focus for our lives. It will be evident. There is this quote that I heard that I thought kind of helped sum this up. All people God uses for greatness, but he first prepares them for greatness. Few are willing to endure the greatness of God's preparation. And see, that's the part that I go, I want to change that. I want us to be a group where it says many where we learn to endure in a powerful way. We learn to endure even in the small things and the large things of life. I want to change that. I want to see us be a group that endures in a powerful way. And we have story after story, and people are hearing these stories. 
And God's changing our hearts, changing our lives, and we're getting to destinations we never thought we could reach. I was talking to a volunteer recently, and it was a volunteer who serves here at Fountain Springs, and um, she serves in the Volunteer Central area, uh, helping making food for all the volunteers who serve. And it's interesting because when you have a conversation with her, it's actually pretty difficult because recently she's lost her voice. She, um, she can't talk. And the funny thing is that she was for a teacher for 30 years. So she had her voice for a very long time, very long time. And so when you talk to her, what happens is, is she's usually got a whiteboard and she has to write it out to you. Or you have to sit there and read her lips. And I was talking to her recently and I did the dumb move where I, I was like, what did you say? And leaned in like that was gonna help. <laughs> You're like, man, I'm so smart. But it's, it's one of those deals where I'm trying to be like, okay, reading lips, and, and it's difficult. And, and you can see on her, like, she's trying to process it and trying to enunciate really well. But I just sat back and kind of thought, man, having your voice for that long, I mean, many, many years, and then going through this period of nothing. I sat there and I was like, wow, that's, that'd be so difficult. And it's just such a tangible thing. I mean, there's nothing else wrong with her. She just can't speak. And I remember talking to some of the other, um, <laughs> some of the other staff, some of the other volunteers who were, who were connecting with her. And you could hear the question coming. It was like, hey, how are you doing with this? Are you okay? Are you going to be all right? And the crazy part to me is every time she did that or had to respond to that, she'd be like, Absolutely. And she would always clarify it because she's like, I, if I ever get my voice back, I'd love it. I, I want it to change. I do. But I wouldn't change what I've gone through. Here's the one thing I've learned. Is that I'm learning to listen to God more than I ever have. And to me, I heard that and that just hit me right here just right here at the heart and going, she gets it. She's walking through this and she's learning to go, and it's not just God, she goes, I'm learning to listen to other people. It's such a valuable thing. I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. I really, if it changed, that would be awesome. But what I've learned in the midst of this has taken me to a whole nother level where she would say, prayer life has changed. Her conversations have changed. How she sees the world change. You see, this journey took her to a whole nother destination. So I look at that and I'm going, those are the stories that to me I go, that's endurance. It's taking this obstacle and going, I'm not going to quit. Because let me tell you, it is so tempting to quit. And realize this, if you're willing to go through it, you're not only going to impact yourself and see the growth, you'll impact the people around you. Because it happened with Joseph. Look at this, watch how this finishes. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine 
was severe throughout the world. Not only did he impact himself, all of Egypt was saved, all the nations around him were saved. All because Joseph was willing to endure and God said, I have set you up to bring about my greatness and for people to trust me and to see that I will take care of them in the midst of some horrible circumstances. And so I look at the volunteer I'm talking about, I look at Joseph's life, it does not just impact you. It impacts everyone around you. See, that's where God's greatness is so powerful to me. It takes us to a new level, takes us to a new destination, and it changes the people around us because they're going, whoa, that is amazing what God's doing in your life. And they'll ask the question, man, would you go through it again? You'd be like, no, but I wouldn't change it because I learned so much in the midst of that. So I want to finish with two questions. Will you let God prepare you for greatness? Will you let God prepare you for greatness? That means there's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some difficult times. But recognize, hold on to that faith that there is something God's doing in my life. And there will be an opportunity someday where I will see his greatness in my life. My story is that, and it's going to keep going. I'm learning. I know I was talking about just joking as a parent. There are some tough days, but I will never give up. Because to me, seeing my son and daughter, daughters, be able to hear about Jesus, being able to learn from their daddy, even the mistakes that he makes, is so much more critical to me than quitting on being a parent. So yeah, there's days, but then there's times where I'm, God, I need your help. So God, help me prepare for this. Help me to be the father, even in these moments where it's difficult. Help me to do it. And then here's the bigger question. In the midst of it, are you enduring or escaping? In the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of your suffering, ask yourself, am I enduring or escaping? Because church, all of us are called to greatness. God picks all of us in here. He says, I've designed greatness for you. The question is, is will we endure to see it? that's what I want in my life, where I stand before God and I get to see the movie reel of my life and get to see that's okay. God, that's how you're piecing it together and your greatness came through in a powerful way. And I want the same for all of us. So let's learn to endure. Let's learn to take these steps. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. And I pray that you will help us begin to endure in such a powerful way where we have moments like Joseph, where we don't understand why all this is happening. We don't understand why the suffering is in our life. And there's all kinds of suffering, God. But God, the powerful part is is that you can take these moments. You can take these times And if we're willing to endure, you will show us how your greatness can come through. How we can see eventually just the power that you've been working in our lives, how you're preparing us for this. But God, it all comes down to a choice. 
And are we willing to do it? Are we willing to have the faith to walk this out? Are we willing to have the patience? Are we willing to surrender? And so God, I pray that you would begin to work in us a spirit that is powerful because it endures. It takes what Satan throws at us and says, no, I'm not gonna quit because of that. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep enduring because by the power of God, I can. And so Lord, I pray that for all of us and pray that we would learn to walk that out. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for stories like Joseph, but Lord, may our stories be the same. Amen.